I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a feminist podcast. Hello and welcome to Feminism Ruins Everything. We are the feminist podcast where we give feminist critiques to movies, musicals and pop culture phenomena. And potentially ruin them. Potentially. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording today's episode on stolen Ghana land. We would like to pay our respects to all elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Mim, I'm excited. I'm really excited for a number of reasons. Uh, The first of which is that we're talking about a seminal rom-com classic that kind of redefined the genre oh, big in a lot call. of ways. Big I, I, th- I think it did. I think it did. Like, th- this was this was a big deal at the time when it came out. Ah, but you. before we get into this discussion, I'm really excited about the fact that we're doing some live shows. <gasps> I am excited about that as well. I'm really glad because I was worried for a second that I was the <laughs> only one who was excited. And I was like, oh, ambivalent. Yeah, not really like, into it. I, get, I have nothing better to do. So yeah, I'll get on stage <laughs> and record a podcast episode with you. Yeah, just... Just kidding. I'm excited too. Folks, if you're in Adelaide, South Australia, first, snap. Second, if you are looking for something to do on the 24th and or 30th of October, um, come along to our live recordings. On the 24th, we're going to be recording an episode on Frozen. Let it go, let it go. We'll probably sing a little bit. Probably. We absolutely will sing. Uh, And then on the 30th, we're going to be recording an episode on Friends, the TV show. for you. Amazing. There might be a bit of singing in that one as well. Probably. If you would like to come along to our live shows, they're going to be lots of fun. We're going to interact with you as an audience and get your in real time response to what we're saying. And uh, you, you get, your voice gets to be on the episode when, yeah. you, when you listen back, when it comes out the following Friday. And uh, it'll also be a part of the Back to Back Festival, which is being hosted by the Star Theatres here Star in Theaters. Adelaide. Uh, the, the whole idea is that you come along uh, to multiple shows, one after another. They're all about an hour each. Um, Tickets are cheaper the more shows you, you buy into, and it's a really great way to support local artists Absolutely. who have been suffering a lot this year because there has been no arts industry huh. with which to participate in. So uh, please come along. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Grab tickets at the uh, link in the show notes. Or on our Facebook or on Instagram, anywhere that you can find us. Bring lots of friends. Please do. All right, let's get into it. <laughs> let's get into it because today we are talking about When Harry Met Sally. This was released in 1989. It was directed by Rob Reiner and written by Nora Ephron. Oh, Nora. Stars Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan and Carrie Fisher's in it. Carrie Fisher is there. Um, I won't lie to you, I forgot Carrie Fisher was in this and then I was watching the opening credits and I was like, Carrie Fisher is in this? Incredible. I have a thesis. I would like to submit that literally by virtue of Carrie Fisher being there, this film is automatically more feminist. Just I, for the inclusion of Carrie Fisher. I would agree. Carrie Fisher was not a person to take anyone's shit. Nah. Like, oh. Badass woman. 
Rest in peace. May Karen. she rest in peace. I also want to get something out of the way because Ellis disagrees with me, and Ooh. I think he is objectively wrong. <laughs> and I would like um, some support from the masses. So I was watching this whole movie, being like, "Are Meg Ryan and Alicia Silverstone twins? Like, were they separated?" At birth. I've never put those two together. They look... Their faces and their facial expressions, to me, are freaking identical. I, I've just... I've just not, Maybe it's just because I've never thought about it. Maybe if I saw a picture of the two of them up against each other, but that doesn't mm. make for good podcast content. No, going, oh, no, it's an audio look medium. Look at these pictures. <laughs> um, but also, I will have everyone know that I was so convinced that they looked so alike that I was like, surely they're related. And so I typed into Google, are Meg Ryan... And it filled out as like the second suggestion and Alicia Silverstone related. So I rest my case. Clearly I'm in the minority. I will look it up afterwards and, and we'll see if I'm proven incorrect. Anywho, Ellis, do you want to give us like a quick recap of like, give us a synopsis of When Harry Met Sally if anyone has not uh, seen it. If you haven't, check it out. Because apparently, seminal rom-com, <laughs> according to the Ellis Dolan. You, you've heard it here first, folks. I'm the first person to make that claim. <laughs> Uh, when Harry Met Sally uh, details the, I want to say like twelve year friendship yeah. slash relationship of Harry and Sally, they meet when they finish college and they both move to New York together, and they kind of like keep popping up in each other's lives unexpectedly until they finally become friends, and and it kind of like blooms from there. Mm. It's really. There's not a lot more to it than that. It's essentially just uh, a character study of these two people and their relationships with each other and with other people and dealing with like marriage and breakups and divorce and everything like that. And, and it, it's really just a, a character study. And I think that's one of the things that I really like about it. It doesn't feel the need to be flashy or have these like ridiculously bombastic, romantic things not yeah. that i'm against that but yeah. i really like the subdued tone yeah, like of the, this film the stakes aren't high yeah it's mm. just a couple of people and their friendship and figuring out love yeah i like that trend where um it's a game where you go describe your favorite movie the most boring way possible <laughs> and it's so easy for when harry met sally it's like two people meet that's it that's it that's, that's the it. end of the film that's also the film. it's in the title yeah exactly <laughs> I'm sorry, people who play uh, Feminism Ruins Everything Bingo. We will not be forgetting character names today because it's in the <laughs> title of the film. <laughs> Always helps. I, I'm literally coming. This is a truly organic idea. I had it just then. So I can't guarantee that I'm going to follow through with this. So please don't hold me to this. But I think it would be sick if our audience members at our live shows got bingo cards of Feminism Ruins Everything Bingo. That would be really cool. No, it's worth it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, I think we can. I think you we heard it here first, folks. Literally, because I just had the thought <laughs> just then. <laughs> so, the thing, from a feminist perspective, and I think what's going to dominate our feminist critique of this movie, the I suppose the conceit of the movie is exploring the idea of whether or not men and women, specifically heterosexual men and women, can be platonic friends. And... The thing that shits me off <laughs> is that it gets so close. 
basically you you immediately you see harry and sally meet in the first instance harry is obnoxious he mm. is the worst he is a misogynistic asshole. Really I was sitting is. there, like, pretty much typing down, like, every single quote that he said, because I was like, this is misogynistic <laughs> bullshit. I was, like, rage, rage quoting him all, all through my notes. So Harry has this... Harry, in all his obnoxiousness, has this philosophy that he keeps, like, kind of pushing on Sally. Like, men and women can't be friends. Can't do it. And... The underlying assumption is that, you know, it's a very heteronormative setting yeah. where the men and the women are attracted to one another. And he's like, no, men and women can't be friends because the sex always gets in the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, the, to me, the film gets so close to uh, shutting that down because you uh, there he's obnoxious the first couple of times that we see him. And then he mellows and becomes a lot more personable and a lot more tolerable (laughs) and their relationship like gets into this steady healthy friendship yeah and i every time i see this like i know where the film is going and i know how it ends but i'm like oh it got so close it got so close to being like men and women can be friends and have where they would where there is the potential for them to be attracted to one another. Like, you can still have a healthy relationship with somebody of a gender that you're attracted to. Wow, cool, end of story. And then the film just completely undermines that really excellent sentiment <laughs> because they get together at the end. It's And I'm upset. There's a lot of generalizations made about gender all throughout this film. There's like, all men do this, all women are oh, like that. A lot that. of that. But from both Harry and Sally... Yeah. Um, like they're, they're both kind of constantly doing it and making these huge broad generalizations without taking nuance into effect. And one could argue is like it's a rom-com, but also yeah. it's like a lot of the conversations and I think a lot of the emotions that the characters go into are very nuanced. So yeah. why are you painting these quite... Very broad brushstrokes. Yeah, very yeah. important things like, in the broadest way possible. The screenplay is so dense. Oh. And it's so good. Billy Crystal talks so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels very, um, very Gilmore Girls. Like, the fact that the, the dialogue is so rapid fire mm. that I'd imagine you'd, like, see it written down and be like, that's got to be a really long movie. But no, 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 they just talk fast. Yeah, it's only an hour and a half. Yeah, literally. Like, with, and the, it flies by. It, they fit a lot into that time. They do. And I think it's so... I've never adored a movie more with such a flawed base premise big cool like the the base premise of this film is so flawed but the film itself i think is executed Mm. masterfully Mm. but at the base of it is this idea that is fundamentally flawed from the start and then kind of undermined a little bit at the end i don't think i i dislike the ending in the same way that you do. See, I'm annoyed that I don't dislike the ending. Because in theory, objectively, I hate the ending. Because it's like, oh, um, no, men and women can't be friends. Harry, obnoxious Harry from the very beginning was right all along. Mm. Um, but I'm really annoyed because I sit there and subjectively I'm like, oh, I'm rooting for you guys. Like, I want you to end up together. I think the angle that the film speaks to me about is Harry and Sally are different people at the start of the movie than they are at the oh, end absolutely, of the movie. Because yeah. there's growth and change. Yeah. 
uh, and that that's just how people yeah. are. They're, like there's there's a wonderful moment where Harry recalls something that Sally said. 10 years ago yeah. and Sally's like that doesn't sound like me I definitely I would never say, say that, that. Yeah. when she totally did and um, I and to me the conceit of the ending is about how relationships are built on foundations mm. and you never immediately enter into a relationship of any kind whether it's platonic or romantic without having some sort of foundation to build upon. Sure. Like, you you don't find a castle, you find the place in which the castle can be built. Oh, that's a lovely metaphor. And so by the end of it, we have watched their foundation being built mm. so that at the end, with, with their growth, they can kind of go, we are ready to enter into a relationship with each other because that is the thing that we would like to do. Mm-hmm. As opposed to at the very beginning where Harry just wants to get in her pants and is saying all of these things to kind of seem more intelligent Ugh. and and, and oh. sophisticated in a really smarmy, oh. creepy way. Um, so I, I don't mind that they get together at the end because I think the film does a really good job at setting up that idea of mm. the foundation. And I absolutely think that... Um, for these characters specifically, having seen what they've gone through and having seen the friendship that their relationship is founded on, you go, yeah, that that makes sense. Like, you probably have the capacity to be in a really quite healthy um, romantic relationship that's founded on your friendship. I just don't like the fact that in this seminal movie, the takeaway is, <laughs> no, it's impossible yeah. for men and women to be friends. <laughs> and because, of course, there are there are so many examples of um, people, not just men and women, but people being friends in the first instance and then that becoming something romantic mm-hmm. or otherwise. And that's lovely. Um, but it is 120% possible for people with complementary sexualities to be platonic friends yeah. and for that to be it. And there, there are so many things that I want to dive into here. I suppose from, from the get-go, from a feminist perspective, I think that the reason that the idea that people who have the potential to be attracted to each other um, can't ever be friends, the reason that's so harmful to me, particularly in a in a heteronormative sense of a man and a woman is this idea that if a man is going to have any kind of relationship with a woman, he's not going to be able to see her as anything other than her sexuality. Yeah. I think that's what offends me the most about this notion. Also the idea of the friend zone. (laughs) get me started about that but um yeah it's it's the fact that like oh i can't have a relationship with you because i can't get over the fact that you're a sexual object Mm. the the potential for sex is always there yeah according to the man and also just not correct like no worries you can be like yes i i'm attracted to you but a respect the boundaries of the other person who is not interested in you know following that path Mm. but also b recognize that people are multifaceted and so much more than their physicality or their sexuality like women are not walking glory holes people (laughs) you know (laughs) you can get so much 
from a friendship with somebody that isn't sexual. Which uh, leads into another uh, philosophy that the movie posits, which is like you have to get all of your... You, you have to be satisfied with the relationship that you have. You can't look anywhere else for other things to kind of fill you up as a person yeah. or get other things from other relationships. There's a moment where um, Harry is trying to tell Sally, it's okay, we can totally be friends because we have partners, and then immediately reneges on that he because like he's back, like... doubles back on himself. Because he's like, well, no, we can't do that because then our partners are going to go, well, why do you need a male friend? Why do you need a female friend? Why are you not getting enough from this relationship? It can't happen. And I'm like, no, you can't get everything from one person. Regardless of whether or not the intent is is platonic or or romantic or anything like that, you have different relationships with different people for different reasons. Yeah, and absolutely. You, like, I don't make podcasts with all my friends, but I do with Mim. Aww. Yeah, it's really sweet. Nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> also, then our podcast would be competing. It'd be very exactly, awkward. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't want to do that. But it, it's true, and you, you find that the the relationships where you are relying on one person for everything is when things like codependency start. Yeah, to Yeah, it's not healthy. And it gets very unhealthy and can get very toxic. And then in the instance in which that relationship dissipates for whatever reason you are there lost without any lifelines because mm -hmm. you put everything onto that one person. Yeah. You need to find fulfillment in as many number of ways that you can. I have heard, this is very much hearsay, and I just thought of it so I don't have the statistic in front of me. And this is a, this is a toxic masculinity thing as well, not just mm. a um, codependence thing, that women who are widowers outlive male widowers exponentially and talking purely um mm. purely in a hetero sense because women seek their emotional needs typically from um people other than their husband or significant mm. other because um women have emotional relationships with people outside of their romantic relationship, they have the emot emotional capacity to, you know, continue living a fulfilled <laughs> life. Whereas often men who lose their female partner have invested all of their um, emotional support in this one person. Um, and because they're unlikely to have, you know, solid friendships that are emotionally nurturing mm. outside of their romantic relationship and it also probably has to do with like domestic capabilities as well because you know unequal division <laughs> of domestic labor etc yeah. um but yeah male widowers like live significantly shorter after the death of their usually wife than women widowers do well that's interesting yeah and that really says something about how men should be establishing emotional relationships with as many people as they can. Yeah, men and or women, yeah. or people who are neither. Exactly. Shout out to our non-binary pals. So there's also this other conversation that Harry and Jess have when they're at the baseball ring. I also, just as a side note, I find it really funny that every time the two of them, as two male friends, are having a conversation about something 
that is like, you know, serious and heartfelt or emotional mm. or about their relationships, they're always in a sporting setting. Yeah. <laughs> like um, Harry is telling Jess about how he's getting divorced and how his marriage has broken down and they're in the middle of this sporting stadium. I don't even know what sport is playing and they like have to keep standing up to do a Mexican wave. It's very funny. But also, and then in the second conversation that I'm about to talk about, they're at a, a baseball... Uh, a batter's cage. Yeah, yeah. That one. I knew a sporting team. Ellis Dolan knows you. things about sport. But I find it so funny that there were... To, to me, I'm not sure whether this was the intention, but the way I read that was like, oh, but, oh, you know, they're going to be having a, an emotional conversation. Better better make it a bit more manly. Better <laughs> better set it in a sporting setting. <laughs> that's, that's what I got out of it. For me, I just thought, it's like, what's the worst place you could tell someone about your divorce? <laughs> Has to be in the middle of a Mexican wave. Oh, like it's it's comedic, <laughs> no doubt. But um, yes, there is that underlying notion of like men have to go out and and be manly and do sporty things, and that's the only way that they can kind of express themselves mm. through the guise of that. But also at the same time, if that is where a man or men find community, and if that's where they build relationships and connections with people who they can um, find emotional support from. Yeah. Who am I to to tear that down? Very true. That's lovely. We got sidetracked. But what I was trying to say was when they're in the batting cages, um, they're also having a conversation where Harry's talking about his relationship. Because at at this time, he's still just friends with Sally. Um, And he's like, oh, yeah, it's cool, man. Like, I, I can tell her everything. And his friend Jess is like, oh, can you... Can you tell us stuff you don't even tell me? And he's quite offended by that. <laughs> and again, I think it's we need to kind of reiterate the notion of yeah, there are some conversations that you have with some of your friends and not others because that's the relationship that you mm. that you have with them. Like I, I think it's really healthy to have some friends who you like ha- are funny with and some friends who you are really serious with or like some friends that you chat with about politics or some yeah. that you chat with about your favorite tv show you know don't don't put that all on one person or just one or two people like spread it out and also you don't have to be everything to one no, person no. like spread it out make friends it's really nice having friends yeah and also like because every person is unique you're going to have a unique relationship with lots of different people and so yeah exactly like at the end of it all the movie sets up a premise which is fundamentally flawed and in some ways very unfeminist Mm. and I just don't know if like like I'm not saying I'm making up my mind or anything but I wonder if can the movie do enough that we aren't ruining it straight out of the gate yeah like like this premise is established within the first I don't know, five minutes of the movie, if you hear that premise, can... Has it already lost? Is it already ruined? Well, I mean, if the if the movie set up the premise to tear it down, mm. no. But I think the fact that it sets it up in the first five minutes, and then by the end, you're still like, well, in this scenario, men and women couldn't be friends, and it looks like it was going to happen. So, like, you know, if Harry and Sally, who were friends for ten years can't, you know, stay friends and have to end up falling in love and getting married. I guess that's Who's it. to say that, you know, anyone yeah. could be friends with somebody that they have <laughs> the potential to be attracted with? I wonder if 
the fact that there are so many generalizations made about men and women specifically uh if there weren't that and it was kind of like we are looking at this instance of a man and woman being friends mm. but because there's so much like oh all men think like this all women oh, think like that lots of generalizations i wonder if you take that out does the conceit work better because it's a personal conceit as opposed to a generalization about all the genders i think if i think if there wasn't this debate that they have mm. and harry hadn't you know tried to state his case <laughs> and gone oh no this is this is the truth this is what i believe um then i don't think it would be such a problem but it's like he's got this very strong argument and the film is like a case scenario of mm. where that exact argument plays out it's like it's an anecdote that supports the theory yeah without like citations needed <laughs> <laughs> i when that is the underlying premise of the film i don't think we're going to come back from that but i think the film tries i think that Meg Ryan is still a feminist icon <laughs> in this movie. And I'm going to state my case from that when we come back after the ad break. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, welcome back, folks. I would like to now, as promised, state my case for why Meg Ryan is a feminist icon in this film. I mean, specifically her character of Sally. Mm -hmm. Remember the character's name because it's in the title. It's in the title. So there are so many examples where she tries, she has put on her by Harry, by her friends, by mm. society, um, these these notions that are really traditional or that really like um, and try to reinforce traditional gender roles or yeah. norms. There are so many instances where she's kind of presented with this and this is pushed on her and she fights back and is like, mm. no, no, I'm not going to follow through with that. Yeah. And I think there are so many examples of her being a feminist icon as a result. Like, there's a moment after, I think it's the second five-year jump, because the movie jumps uh, all over through time, uh, where she's just broken up with her longtime boyfriend, and all of her friends are like, well, you can get back into the dating game, and you can meet a guy, and you can get married. Mm. And she's like, no, I don't 
don't think I'm ready for that. And they're like, no, 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 but you need to get married. Yeah, what about your biological clock? It's ticking. It feels really kind of traditional gender roles being forced upon her and the Mm. fact that she is very obviously rebuffing that. In the same way that she rebuffs Harry's advances when they first meet, because he is very much all of the, let's hook up. And she's like, well, you're seeing one of my best friends. Yeah. And he's like, ah, we do what we do. (laughs) Please, like... Please stick around for me having a rant about how Harry is a misogynistic <laughs> asshole. Like you can you can rest assured you'll be getting that. But first, if Sally is a feminist icon. Sorry, continue. She Alice. she is. Uh, I also think the way that Sally talks about sex and her sexuality oh, is really uh, not only really wonderfully natural, but also she's very open with how she feels about it. She feels very comfortable with her relationship to sex and doesn't feel the need to kind of like shy away from mm. the topic. You know, oh no, can't talk about that in public. That's very unladylike. <laughs> She's just like, yeah. people have fakes, sex. Fakes an orgasm in a very crowded diner. Like Mitch. very realistically. It's, how, it's <laughs> probably the most iconic moment of the film, right? Easily. Yeah. Easily. And also like, I, I just wonder what it would have been like in the cinema when that movie came out, just like all the men going, oh no, that sounds way too familiar. <laughs> and all the women going, yeah, she's doing a really good job. Mm. Taking notes, sadly. Mm. Like, sorry, and- sorry hold on, I was just going to say, men, to all the men out there, please take care of your partner's needs. Just please, don't mm. be selfish. I can't believe I have to say that. Specifically if your partner is a woman. Yes. Or you... Are attracted to women. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to be like heteronormative as fuck. I'll have what she's having. Fuck at the moment. But this this film is so reinforcing of heteronormativity that yeah. I am struggling to to <laughs> use language that is queer inclusive. Damn it. But also specifically eighty nine. Specifically, <laughs> straight men, don't be selfish. No. Look after your partners. Yeah. Be respectful. And, like, I I struggle to think of another movie that has this much... That has had this much, like, commercial success and is so well-known that brings women's pleasure into the spotlight yeah. like this film does. Like, would people have typically... Like, I mean, this is still true. Do people typically have conversations about women's pleasure in sex? Not really. So I'm gonna I'm gonna make the assertion that when this film was made in when this film came out in '89, 31 years ago, Jeez. that um, you know that was also true, if not more so, because you know you'd hope that societal norms about co- like normalizing conversations around sex increase, like get better over time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like hopefully. The, the fake orgasm <laughs> like would have started a lot of conversations about mm-hmm. about women's pleasure yeah he, or he, at least not even conversations just like people being like oh oh I've got to I better better keep that in mind for next time oh, <laughs> good all right here here's a, a a little bit of trivia um, that 
of course, is very vague because I'm kind of remembering it from some <laughs> point. Apparently, uh, when it comes to rating movies, so like whether it's like a, an M or an MA or M15 or like it's different in different countries. Uh, but apparently, if your film contains an instance of a woman performing oral sex on a man, that will get a lower rating than a man going down on a woman. I am seething. It's so upsetting but that kind of that when i heard about that i'm pretty sure it was whenever gone girl came out mm-hmm. like a few years ago so this was like a recent thing that i heard about whether or not it is still in in effect i'm not sure but i, I have a feeling that it is but that kind of tells you that inherently male sexuality and male pleasure is seen as normal and less taboo mm. than female pleasure yeah which is like ugh. trash Upsetting. It's trash. I think the other aspect of Meg Ryan being... Well, I mean, it's her character, but I <laughs> I want to believe that Meg Ryan herself is a feminist icon. You're putting that out into the world. Like yeah, I'm secret. putting it out into the world, and I, and I hope that it's true. I've, I'll do some research later and see that if it is. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine having to release it? We're very sorry. <laughs> We're very that. sorry to inform you that Meg Ryan is... A raging misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> like, do a press release. Like, yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we, we have to, uncovered. We need to go back on uh, something we said. We'd like to apologise to Meg Ryan for uh, incorrectly labelling her a feminist. <laughs> um, <laughs> anywho, um, the other thing that I think that makes Sally quite a strong female character that um, has a lot of feminist values and um, demonstrates a lot of feminist strength in addition to the fact that she does not put up with her friends kind of trying to put um, expectations of, mm. of marriage or motherhood or biological clocks. She doesn't put up with that. She is very open with her sexuality and very mm-hmm. sex positive um, but also mm. doesn't put up with Harry's bullshit. No, not even... A little bit. She is constantly calling him out. Mm. She's constantly saying, that's a disgusting perspective. You shouldn't think like that. So I don't even remember what the context is, but there's some point where he's speaking disparagingly about another woman or about women that aren't her, and she objects to it in the conversation. And he says something to the effect of, oh, why, why do you care? It doesn't affect you. And her response, I quote, is... You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. <laughs> like, can I have that on a t-shirt? Oh, can, that is beautiful. Can I just hand out business cards yeah. that just say that? You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. Uh, but also stands for the fact that you don't need to be personally affected by something to care about it and recognize that it hurts other people, so stand up for them as well. Mm. And that shouldn't be a hard concept to grasp, but it seems Apparently to be. Apparently it is. Uh, another choice Sally quote is, I didn't want to sleep with you and you had to write it off as a character flaw instead of accepting it had something to do with you. Oh! Just... What a queen. Wonderful. Wonderful. And then when uh, he's trying to get back with her and she thinks that it's because he's, you know, lonely and uh, just doesn't have any better options... Her exact words are, I'm not your consolation prize. Yeah. Oh, she knows her worth. Girl knows her worth. And I think I think that kind of also comes through uh, when we find out why she and Joe 
broke up mm. was because she kind of she'd gone through their relationship going we don't want a family we don't want kids or anything like that and then she kind of came to the realization that maybe she did want to start a family which while she rebuffed that notion of you need to get married earlier it's perfectly fine for anyone to want to get married and start a family but it has to be your call it yeah. doesn't have, it shouldn't be pushed upon you uh, so so when she kind of goes, well, I want to start a family and all those things that you said we could do if we didn't have a family, we do not do. Mm. She's got, well, the relationship has to end and she yeah. moves on. She, she is so ac- acutely aware of what she wants yeah. and what she is worth oh. and she's not going to settle for anything less. What a queen. And she also says to her friends when she just drops the bomb on them, um, oh, yeah, we broke it. Is his name Joe? Joe. Yeah. Um, Joe and I broke up, uh, and they're like, "What? What happened?" She was like, "I wanted more." Yeah, that's that's it. She wanted more. Yeah. Also, side note, I like that she has like two friends at the start, and then we just lose one of them, <laughs> and we just keep Carrie Fisher yeah. <laughs> for the rest of the film. Like, where did the other friend go? <laughs> Left like, by I... the wayside, because Princess Leia's your friend. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Carrie Fisher. I love her. So, Sally almost gets the final word when it comes to you know this um the the climax of the the film and and where we see their relationship culminating almost Mm. and she has this great zinger where she says you can't just show up tell me you love me and expect that to make everything right Mm. which is awesome and i Part of me wanted her to like make that her mic drop moment and walk out, <laughs> and I would have been like, "Okay, this is now a feminist film." Yeah. Um, but I don't think. Or, but you posit Ellis, and I tend to agree with you reluctantly mm. that the fact that they then get together doesn't undermine her sense of self and self worth. I think that Harry's declaration of love comes with a demonstration of character development where he he starts pointing out very uh, small, unique things that Sally does that he loves about her. And it's not this generalized discussion of women or viewing women as an object that he sleeps with. He's like, I know these things about you and that's why I'm in love with you and I can't imagine living my life without this wonderful, unique person in front of me. And I think it's very clear that she also reciprocates the feelings, but it isn't until he demonstrates that he sees her as more than a woman more than a sexual object. Yeah. That their relationship is able to occur. Sure. Like, yeah, I reluctantly agree. I'm also reluctantly putting that out there. I'm not convinced by my own point. Mm. But I think it is a possibility. Yeah. Listeners, if you have strong views and you're like, nah, that was a bullshit speech. <laughs> He's trash. She should have left. And you want to pose that to us? I'll probably agree with you. Yeah, I'm only fair. wishy-washy on the fence with Ellis's perspective. <laughs> <laughs> that's Ellis, very fair. I will I will double cross you as soon as someone comes up with a better argument. So speaking of having to 
apologize and grovel and come crawling back from being an asshole and making reprehensible decisions. I just need to rant for a little while and get it out of my system about how for the first solid 30 minutes of this film, I was sitting there writhing, just hating how much Harry was a condescending, pretentious, misogynistic prick. Mm. I just need to get that out of my system. And I appreciate that he goes through character growth and to some degree, I think, um, stops being that person. Although the smarmy look that he's giving her when she's like, you know, is crying, is like, I hate you, I hate you. And he's like looking at her like, you actually love me. Like that smirk, I'm like, he's still in there. I love it so much. That condescending dick is still in there. I think the reason that I'm so affronted by this is the fact that I just know, Mm. I know that guy. I know too many of him. That, That smarmy, intelligent guy who thinks that because he can, you know, dazzle you with his wit and his intelligence, he has this really um, overwhelming sense of authority and superiority around everyone that he interacts with, especially women. It's just, I I just hate that misogynistic dickhead. I I feel like if uh, he wasn't being portrayed by Billy Crystal, who I find incredibly charming... I would feel exactly the same. But because I look at that, I'm just like, it's Billy Crystal. No. Oh, fills my heart. No, he's so... No, but the the fact that he's charming is what makes it so sinister. Because he's he's covering up the fact that what he is saying and what he is doing is so offensive. Yeah. Like, like I've got some choice phrases here that make me really angry. Um, The fact that he's like... Uh, talking about how, you know, as soon as he has sex with somebody, he immediately wants to leave. And his his choice words are, how long do I have to lie here and hold her until I can get up and go home? All men think that. Yeah. And again, broad brush strokes. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. Uh, offensive to the person that you have just had sex with, that you want to have sex and then just discard of them mm. immediately. But also... Let's not try and portray the myth that men don't enjoy intimacy. Yeah. Like, that's a very broad brushstroke, once more. And also when he looks at her and goes, oh, you're a very attractive person. And she is, like, made uncomfortable by that. And she mm. um, is like, oh, I don't want you to hit on me like that's I'm uncomfortable you're dating my friend that's not cool and he's like oh what's wrong can't I just tell someone that they're attractive oh what's the problem with that and yes someone can just say to somebody hey you're really nice looking like I think you're really attractive Mm -hmm. in in a context where it's not condescending or where it's not like oh I'm gracing you with my opinion because you should give a shit what I think because my opinion matters it's it's the context and the delivery it's all about how you say it and why you've said it I mean it it kind of reminds me about (laughs) when um when things about Me Too happened and you had a bunch of people on the internet going saying things like, what, so I can't even, like, hug a woman anymore? If you have to ask that question... No. No. <laughs> no, because the way you're hugging women is probably not okay. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, and the thing is that most of his offensiveness happens really early on. Um, but there are some still things like spattered throughout that he says that I'm like, oh, he's still a misogynistic dick. Um, for example, oh, when he goes on this rant about like high and low maintenance and it's like, oh, there are two types of women. And mm. as if he's the authority on <laughs> all yeah. women. Because I don't know about you, Ellis. Um, or I don't know about you to our other women listeners, but I really enjoy when um, when the authority on what it is to be a woman um, and affect you know which affects me as as a person and uh, you know categorizes um, me and people who share my gender. Um, I really like it when the authority on that is a man. Mm. Like when our being sarcastic. <laughs> like when uh, the Australian Minister for Women was oh, known Tony misogynist Abbott. Tony Abbott. Oh. And there's this other instance where he's talking to his friend Jess, uh, and his specific words about his friendship with Sally are, "I don't have to lie to her because I'm not trying to get into bed with her." Yeah. And I think that says everything you need to know about how Harry views women. Whew. Yeah. I think this is one of those instances where Harry is clearly set up with misogynistic tendencies mm. in order to facilitate his growth so that theoretically by the end of the film he will have overcome them and that, that being the primary thing getting in the way of their relationship happening i don't think the film quite goes far enough with with that critique he doesn't seem to or he seems to overcome them in quotations quite easily and even then it doesn't re he doesn't really seem to grow in that sense yeah as much as he maybe should have and I wonder, again, like, this is the 80s. The 80s were a different time. <laughs> I wonder if back then that was considered, quote-unquote, enough, but it certainly isn't anymore. Yeah, or even just that having that much of a misogynistic view of women was not as offensive in the 80s as it, as oh, it totally is now. Normalized. I mean, I mean totally it should always have been offensive. Like, objectively, it has always been yeah. offensive to um, look down on women as a man. Um, but what was socially acceptable is, has obviously shifted. Yes. I mean, there's a scene which gave me pause, mm. uh, and it's when Harry and Sally sleep together. Yeah. Um, it comes very out of nowhere in their relationship it just kind of happens and then then as soon as it happens and then the next day harry is quite shocked by it how did you interpret that i, I this is probably just me being a cynical bitch uh and not really liking him because i think he's a misogynistic um but i think that the way i interpreted that was that he has this view of the women that he sleeps with and he has this view of his friend Sally who is a woman that he doesn't sleep with and he has respect for her as a person and he has like a strong relationship with her and um, 
yeah, values her as a person beyond her sexuality. Mm. And the way that we we see him talk about women and his, um, you know, string of, um, you know, one night stands, etc., kind of gives you this idea that he doesn't have a lot of respect for the women that he has sex with yeah. or doesn't take the time to care for them and get to know them. Yeah. And so the way that I interpret that scene where he's like lying there and he's wide-eyed is the fact that he's having this real cognitive dissonance about the fact that he normally like just sexualizes and sees more or less as sexual objects the people that he sleeps with and the fact that he has that has now been met by this woman that he has a lot of respect and care for Mm -hmm. I feel like the way that I interpreted that scene was the cognitive dissonance of being like how can these two things like objectifying somebody and having respect and care for somebody exist within the same person. Hmm. That's how I interpreted it. Potentially because I'm a cynical bitch. <laughs> Whereas, like, how did you interpret it, Ellis? Like, I imagine it was different. <laughs> I, I interpreted it more from the, the perspective of him coming to the, the realisation that the feelings that he had for Sally was more than that. And perhaps for the first time in a long time, he equated having sex with being with a person that I care about mm. um, and so the kind of shock was like oh my goodness I didn't realise that I had this sort of affection for Sally yeah but or potentially feel- or potentially the fact that um, you know he had had this theory like oh men and women can't be friends and then he had this long standing friendship with Sally and was like oh okay maybe maybe I was maybe wrong like I have I've reconciled the fact that this is a platonic friendship. Um, we're really good as friends. This is a really strong relationship. Mm. And then the moment they had sex, he was like, oh, God, I messed it up. <laughs> Which I think that is a scary notion, like taking a relationship from a friendship to something more than that mm. is potentially terrifying. And, and the ramifications of a relationship ending can be a lot harsher than the ramifications of a friendship ending so it could have been a lot of fear around that i don't know i just i thought it was an interesting moment and i feel like a lot of people can read into it in different ways like i think it's telling that he spent the night with her yeah when he went on his rant about how he doesn't want 30 seconds after Mm. you know ejaculation (laughs) he wanted to he wants to get out of there yeah where but then in the morning he's very much I need to go but at the same time he's like I need to go because I need to go get ready for work and you need to get ready for work and we're going to have dinner tonight because we should address this mm. so you know it's, it's a, I, I think it's very complex and I think that's part of the reason why this movie is so effective because you do have these complicated nuanced emotions yeah. and things like this are kind of up for interpretation yeah and like the reason that you can create 90 minutes worth of really strong content off of a really um, basic premise yeah. men, man and woman meet multiple times and then become friends is <laughs> is because yeah the the relationship and them navigating their relationship and relationships with others is yeah is, is mm. complex and nuanced yeah I think it's it's also kind of telling that he refers to his one night stands as having sex with somebody and he only refers to sleeping with Sally as making love mm. Like, that's in, that's an interesting detail. Mm. It isn't... It's a 
very clear distinction, yeah. 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 With respect to the representation of groups that are not women, uh, let's just say it, it's not good. Um, everyone is very white. Everyone is very heterosexual. Yeah. Quite upper middle class yeah, kind yeah. of thing. I think like the one person of colour that we see is a woman like taking Sally's order in the diner at the very start. Yeah. And is like the, the subject of Sally's really obnoxious order. So <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Not, not 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 a lot of representation. No. Like I mean one could one could make the argument that the, the core cast is so small. It's really there's Harry and Sally, and then underneath that, there's Carrie Fisher and Jess, and and Carrie Fisher's name is Marie. I think. Marie, uh, and then everyone else is kind of like here for a scene, or even in some cases, I'm here for one line of dialogue. Yeah, you could make that argument, but that doesn't change the fact that the four leading actors are all white. Almost every supporting character is white. Yeah, just the the do the better. this film is. Is built on heteronormativity. Yes, like it's again, it's in the foundation of yeah, the premise. That yeah, yeah, men and women can't be friends because they're attracted to one another. Yeah, without taking into account the whole spectrum of sexuality and attractiveness, and just <laughs> attractiveness. Attractiveness. Yes. You can expect more made-up words at our live <laughs> podcast. Um, Ellis, I'm not confident in asking this. Does When Harry Met Sally pass the Bechdel test? Uh, no, it Cause, doesn't. Because the whole movie is talking about your relationships. Yeah. I, like, I can't think of a single conversation that doesn't revolve in some way yeah. around the relationships that the characters are having or have had or anything like that. Because uh, the only time yeah. the two named women talk to one another is... Um, Sally and Marie and the other friend who's randomly there for one scene that we don't really <laughs> see again um, and all they talk about is their relationships and yeah. the men that they're dating and yeah <sighs> this is probably the easiest failing of the Bechdel test that we've had on the podcast yeah. so far and again like that's kind of inherent in the, the premise the premise of the film of the film that it's about heterosexual relationships yeah yeah. And that's it. And that's not to say that it's not wonderful to be able to confide in a friend about your relationships and to discuss topics of, you know, sex, relationships, marriage, do I want to have kids, etc. Like mm. these are important conversations that you need to have with like as a as a woman with your other friends who are women. Yeah. Um but you're also so much more than that as well. Yeah. And I think it's just one one very it's just one slice of the human experience. In the pie chart of human experience. <laughs> it's just one little segment. Things related to your sexual and or romantic partners. Just just a slice. Yeah, there's so much more than that. I I think that it is part of the film's strength, like overall, that it's all about the one thing it is so focused in on the nuances of relationships that mm. I think that makes it a better film, but less feminist. Yeah, it it does mean that 
you do get to really dive in deep into this relationship and you get very invested in it and you get to mm. see all of the ins and outs and no stone is left unturned, uh, which is, yeah, I think one of the reasons that it's such a compelling watch. Yeah. Because it does feel very realistic. Yeah, and that's the thing that I got from re-watching it was that it felt very real and apparently uh, was inspired by the director's divorce mm. um, and you can kind of see the the rawness of some of those moments yeah um, and I think it's home we also read that um, Nora Ephron who, who wrote the screenplay is believed to have based elements of Sally on herself yeah is that right I, I, I think um, ha- Harry was kind of based on the director Rob Reiner and Sally was based somewhat on mm. Nora Ephron. Yeah. And I, I think that you can probably credit um, a lot of the fact that, that Sally is a very multi-dimensional, nuanced, well-written character to the fact that mm-hmm. she had a woman writing her. Yeah. Again, we, we've said it before and I'll say it again, men can still write complex female characters. Yes, this is true. All right, Ellis. Verdict time. <laughs> uh, although I think we already know the answer. Are we raiding or ruining When Harry Met Sally? It is very upsetting to me that I think <laughs> we, are, we are ruining it because... I think we're ruining it. I think this is one of the best examples of a romantic comedy mm. out there. I think as a film, it's funny, it's well-written... Both Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are wonderful performers. Oh, in yeah, these the roles. performances are gorgeous, and and Carrie Fisher is great. Carrie Fisher's great, and the actor who plays Jess, whose name is Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby. Can you tell listeners that Ellis is the one that has <laughs> the, the laptop in front of him? Fact checking. Like there are so many really strong elements. Like the script is phenomenal. Yeah, and and the the complex dive into these characters and the character study is just really really wonderful but when you when you start off with a flawed base premise like this and by the end of the film you have affirmed said flawed base premise (laughs) no amount of having Carrie Fisher in your film We'll, no we'll save it. Of Sally Albright being a feminist icon yeah. is going to come back from the fact that the overwhelming takeaway from this film is that men and women can't be friends because sex gets in the way. It just... And that's that's not a feminist premise. Ellis, if our friends, the listeners, want to get in touch to let us know what they think or to air any opinions about this episode or the feminist merits of the movie, how can they do that? Well, first you can write to your local underwear company and ask why there isn't a Sunday pair. (laughs) Or you can get in touch with us on Facebook. We are Feminism Ruins Everything dash It's a Feminist Feminist Podcast. Podcast. Or on Instagram at Feminism Ruins Everything Pod. Or... If you uh, have appreciated uh, our work and would like to support us financially, please consider becoming a patron on our Patreon. Uh, that's uh, patreon.com slash feminismruinseverything, 
pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put behind the scenes stuff up there. You get the the cover art a little bit early. We're also going to start uploading uh, our episodes there so that you can listen to them ad free if you prefer to listen to podcasts ad free. And we'll we'll put our back catalog uh, catalog. <laughs> we'll put our back catalog on there as well so that yeah, if there's any that you haven't caught up. Uh, then you can, yeah, listen yeah. to them without the ads because you're already paying by virtue of being a Patreon. And patron. also, and also, if you join our ten dollar or higher tier, you can pick what we discuss on an episode. Yes. Uh, and also, of course, as we spruced uh, earlier, <laughs> uh, please come see our live shows if you're in Adelaide. All the details will be on all of our social media in the description below. Uh, everywhere. Yeah, and like. Uh, follow us on whatever platform you are listening to this episode on. Follow us on the socials. Um, give us a like. Give us a rating. Give tell us a, your friends. Yeah, a give review. us a rating. Love that. We've had some really very kind reviews, and we're very grateful for that. We're also just very grateful to everybody for listening. We really appreciate it. You're the best. Don't fake your orgasms. See ya. Feminism <laughs> <laughs> ruins everything. 